Morning. You know, I realized after um, watching that video uh, with Pedro and Rachel that that is so powerful it may be the only thing you remember this morning, and I'm okay with that. Um, but let me say this to build off of that in case it is uh, what you most remember from being here this morning. I want you to take your bulletin out. Let's, 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 end, uh, let's do what we're going to do at the end. And go ahead, every one of you, and just tear this thing out and, and hold this in your lap, the part that says, I want to reach further. And there are a number of opportunities. I just want you to think about them in the next 25 minutes uh, and make a commitment. I'm going to check the last box because I'm going to continue in my small group, which meets Wednesday night, uh, this Wednesday. But let me just say this about Pedro and Rachel. Um, I had the privilege of actually you know, being with them with the hospital a time or two and, and, and praying with them, seeing that story unfold, seeing their, uh, their members of their small group, as, as Pete uh, said, um, really show up for them. And it was inspiring and, and humbling uh, to see that happen. But about maybe a month or so ago, uh, as they were, uh, be, you know, kind of doing life and, and, and with their son at home. I saw them out here in the, in the tent. And we just had a few minutes to talk uh, and pray. And he said to me, Pedro, um, kind of choking back the tears, he said, you know, Pastor Rob, um, he said, my job offers me, the, the nature of his job, his health package, I guess, offers me these, in these kinds of situations various kinds of assistance. I forget what they were now, you know, whether it was, you know, home care this and, you know, food uh, delivery this, a number of services, this suite of services. And he said, I uh, was so encouraged to hear that, but I said back to my HR person at my job, I said, thank you for those opportunities. Thank you for those uh, uh, offers. But my church has met every single one of those for me. Yeah, isn't that amazing? So I hope, uh, as Pete said, that you are not trying to do this life alone. I hope that you're engaging uh, with other people, imperfect as you are, as I am, to walk this journey of faith. And this is an opportunity this morning uh, to take a next step. All of these are opportunities uh, to get into a community. I hope you'll be thinking about that over these next few minutes. We are in the book of Acts, as Pete mentioned. If you have a copy of the Bible, open it up, turn it on, Acts chapter 1, in this series called Reach One. And as I said last week, we will um, end this brief series next Sunday with my best opportunity to share with you a, a, a practical and practicable way where you can uh, you know, live out your faith every day, whether you're a student in, in high school or college or a professional or you know, a stay-at-home mom or dad, whatever the case may be, where you can live out your faith, making reaching one, opening up your commitment to Christ, your commitment to what God has done in your life into the lives of others around you, that that can become a way of life. And we'll talk about that next week. Uh, next Sunday. But this morning, I want to come back to where we were, the passage that we looked at last week where Jesus, worth taking two weeks, gives forth to his disciples, but by extension to the church, including this church, the mission that he's called them uh, to be a part of. So that's what I want to look at. Acts chapter 1, I'll read it again, verses 1 through 11. In my former book, Theophilus, 
I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, that's where they were, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, John the Baptist, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who had been taken up from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. First thing I want to say, uh, again, about this very important passage, what is Jesus saying? He's saying this, the church that he's starting here is a mission, right? The church is a mission. Now, we know in the sophisticated 21st century, many of you, or not sure, many of you, some of you grew up in the church. I didn't grow up in the church. It isn't a church like this. Many of you did. And many of you may remember that churches, even like this one, support what we call missionaries, that is people, really everyday people like you and me, but people who commit to, you know, raise some money and go to different parts of the world and share the gospel. And we have a strong commitment to missions. We support a number of missionaries. It's part of this is church's history, and I believe it will be for a long time to come. But let me say this. That is simply a expression of what it, oh, God has called all of us to do, what we are all called to do with our everyday lives. What Jesus started here, before there was any sophisticated infrastructure, before there was any buildings or campaigns, before there was any committees, was an organization that by its definition was a mission organization. In fact, it's interesting, in, there's so much that happens in this passage. It's foundational. It's why I'm taking at least two weeks to look at it. He's going to expand their vision. This is a lot about expanding their vision. Will you restore the kingdom to Israel? Their focus was very much on the property in the Middle East, on the Old Testament covenant, on the people of God. And in one passage, he says, listen, yeah, let's, Jerusalem's important. Judea's important, the suburbs. But by the time he gets to the end of verse 8, this mission, he says, we're taking this to the ends of the world, Right? But it's interesting, he says this to the 12 apostles, verse 2, but what you might not know, some of you do, this book of Acts, which covers the history of the church, which in a manner of speaking goes all the way to the ends of the earth, that is, in, the, in this day, the Roman Empire, it ends in the city of Rome, right? It goes to the ends of the earth. But the 12 apostles, these very important people who, on whose shoulders we stand, on whom the church was started, let me tell you something, they never left Jerusalem. 
right? So yes, go into all the world to the ends of the earth, but the people who were given this commission, except there's one time where Peter and John make a little short-term mission trip, right? One short-term trip, maybe, maybe uh, you know, up to uh, Samaria. But other than that, the 12 apostles stay right in Jerusalem. But over the course of about 30 years, the book of Acts, we see that the gospel goes all through the Roman Empire. And if we take the book of Acts at its face value, we know at least tens of thousands of people, many Jewish, many not Jewish, come to know Christ as their Savior. Their lives change dramatically in this time. But it doesn't happen because of the 12 apostles. It happens through committed church people in Ephesus, in Colossae, in Thessalonica, committed people in churches like this one all over uh, Europe and Central Asia. That's how the gospel uh, it grows. The Acts narrative, right? We're not reading the whole thing here this morning. Here's what you'd find. It's, it gives you a great snapshot of what the local church is. There's conflict in the book of Acts. There's persecution in the book of Acts. There are churches with money in the book of Acts, and there are churches that don't have so much money in the book of Acts. There are uh, facility changes in the book of Acts twice. In Ephesus and Corinth, Paul, the apostle, gets kicked out of the synagogue, and he goes to, he repurposes, I think it's called the Hall of Tyrannius, in Ephesus, in Corinth. He finds buildings, you know, a, a strip mall to meet, and it begins... Uh, the church in that particular town. But most importantly, right, what you see if you look at the churches in the book of Acts and the New Testament is changed lives. What stands out in this book is a passion and a zeal that results in courageous witness to many different kinds of people. Poor, uh, uh, you know, every kind of culture, rich, kings, uh, the household of Herod, you know, people from, from, from pagan temples. Every single kind of person is converted in the book of Acts and what you see is changed lives. But what else is so interesting about this, okay, if you think about these great churches, right? The church of Ephesus, the church in Colossae, the church of Thessaloniki, which is north of Athens. These churches, it, it raises another question when you have this record. That is, what happened to them, right? What happened to these great churches, right? 3,000 were saved in Jerusalem. I've been to Jerusalem twice. I didn't see any, any big churches in Jerusalem. Some of you have been to Central Asia or Turkey where many of these churches found, were founded by the Apostle Paul and these other friends. You know what? There's not a lot of churches in this part. What happened to these churches? And when you look at the New Testament record, right, just a few decades later when John writes the book of Revelation, all these churches are addressed. And the great church in Ephesus, just one example, Revelation chapter 2. He comes to the church in Ephesus and Jesus says, listen, you've done a few good things, but you have left your first love. And I want to warn you right now, church of Ephesus. John the apostle does this. The words of Jesus 
go back and reconnect with your first love. That passion that you had when you saw God do something in your life that was so amazing. When you remember the time when God had forgiven you of your sins. When God had transformed your heart and you had a kind of zeal and you had a kind of passion that overflowed out of your life into the lives of others. Go back and find that because if you don't, this church won't exist and it will no longer make a difference. And that happened time and time again, and it can happen to us as a church today. It happens all over the place in our country. What God has done for you has so captured your life, it's so filled you with joy, the natural instinct, right? This is what reach one is about. It's not a a technique. It's It's not a clever strategy. It's about you and I coming back to the heart of our faith, coming back to the whole reason we're here this morning. I hope the whole reason you, you call Christ your Lord and Savior because he came into your life. While we were yet sinners, Christ came down and said, I know that you're imperfect. I know that you got a, a past. I know that you have sin in your life, but I love you. I died for you, and I want to come into your life and deliver you. I want to come in and, and straighten out the disfigurement. I want to come and bring hope and healing and new life in And when God gets a hold of your heart and you can't not tell other people about it, that's what it's, the church is a mission and I am a piece of the church and you are the piece of the church and what the REACH initiative is is nothing more than taking the gospel, what God has done in your life and sharing it with others. I was, um, I did something about a month ago that I've done a hundred times, you know, maybe more than that, that is, I have uh, dinner with my, my sister and brother-in-law and my other sister. She invited me over for dinner. I mean, this is as routine as it gets. And we had a nice dinner and, uh, you know, a good conversation. And when everything was done, you know, even dessert was over, the, the plates were cleared, right? And then my sister sits down. She says, listen, now I want to tell you, um, I have something I want to talk about with you. I thought, oh, you know, I thought this was dinner, right? You know, I didn't know there was a purpose tonight besides, no, she goes, I, I called this uh, dinner for a reason. I said, okay, well, what is it? And she said, well, listen, I, I she, you know, her, her community, right? She's a school teacher, and where, she, where God has placed her, where she spends, you know, her 40 plus every week is in a public school. And she said, you know, she, I, 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 I've been doing my best. You know, I feel God, this is where God has me to call and to, and to hang out with these people. And she said, you know, I'm trying. And most of these people, the majority, are not church-going people. That's what she's told me in the past. The teachers I'm talking about, not the students. And she said they were talking recently, and they were having this conversation. It was part of, part of their, what's going on there. But all this, you know, uh, uh, you know the, the sexuality conversation, you know, transgender. It's all a part of, of what administrators and school teachers, they were just having a conversation, like probably hundreds of school teachers like them. And they were talking about it, and they were saying, you know, what do you think, and what do you do? And she said, one of them said, hey, Trisha, you know, I know you go to that church over there. It's not even, her school's not far from her. She goes, she goes what do you think about what's going on, and she said, is your church open? You know, is it inclusive? It's a big word in our culture today. And she said, uh, I think she did a good job uh, on her standing on her feet and and trying to be honest and love the people. And she said, listen, I need some help talking about these issues. 
I need some wisdom to talk about these issues, and that's what I want to talk about with you guys tonight. And I thought, well, I guess we're not watching the movie, right, you know? <laughs> but guys, listen. Pre each one of us preparing ourselves where God has you, in your neighborhood, in your school, on your football team, whether you're a teacher or a doctor or a housewife or a, a you know, stay-home dad, whatever the case may be, entering into the conversations people are having today is what it's all about. And simply restoring that responsibility to every single one of us, waking up to realize that, yes, we support missionaries, and yes, we got a great children's program, and yes, we have okay preaching and music on Sunday, whatever the case may be. But let me tell you, the church is a mission. And every Sunday, you need to walk out of here and say, God, who are you calling me to pay attention to and to listen to today? The church is a mission. Second thing you see in this passage, the heart of the passage, the experience of the Spirit is the power of God in your life. Now, this is, there's a whole series of messages I could talk about in this first chapter of the book of Acts, but mostly what Acts chapter 1 and then the rest of the 27 verses, the chapters that follow, what it's mostly about is the person and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit takes center stage. God is a trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. And this trinity, this three-in-one, this amazing mystery, they're all active from Genesis to Revelation in the history of uh, humanity up until this moment. But they have unique roles that come to the fore in the scriptures, in the salvation history that we're experiencing. And from this point forward, the church is a mission. You and I are a part of it. The Holy Spirit takes center stage. But what we learn in the book of Acts is what it truly means to experience the Spirit. What is it? There's so much discussion about it. What does it mean to experience the Spirit? Let me tell you what it means. It's not an event, right? It's not an event. It's not something that happens on a certain day. It's not the result of this or that particular thing that we do. It's not the consequence of some gathering and some prayer meeting. I'm for that. Or some great worship experience that I'm for that. Let me tell you what the, expe the experience of the Spirit is. It's the access power in your life day in and day out at the, to do what it is that God is calling you to do. Whether you are at the lunch table as a school teacher, whether you're at the dinner table as a mom or a dad, whether you're a student in the, in the huddle at the football game, whether you are you know, a professional, or whether you're over the fence in the neighborhood where you live, it is the accessed power in your life to do what it is that God has called you to do. And what I said last week, if you were here, listen to that message if you didn't, is this. What God is calling you to do will, not sometimes, always be bigger than you can handle. It's absolutely true for every person in this room. It's absolutely true for this church. And unless you learn what it really means to experience the Holy Spirit, unless you understand what it means to really open your life to the power of the Spirit, how does that look? How does that happen, and how does that feel, and what does that do? You will never, ever, ever, we will never, ever, ever accomplish what it is that God has called us to do because you can't do it on your own. That's a joke. You, should, you, you need to, don't even think about it. It's about the experience of the Spirit 
is about accessing God's power to do what he's expecting to do. You say, well, Rob, that's very interesting. That's very theological. What does that mean practically? Very quickly. Here, I'm going to tell you two quick things, both in this passage. It's expected, expecting, a kind of expected waiting, right? Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my Father. It's an expectant waiting, verse 4, and verse 14, which I didn't read. It's a persistent praying, right? They all joined together constantly in prayer. God gave him this amazing thing to do. I know you care about Jerusalem. That's very interesting. I know you care about restoring the kingdom of Israel. Very interesting. But guys, you're thinking far too small. We're going to take the gospel in from Judea, Samaria. We're going to go to the ends of the earth. And I'm calling you to do it. And they say, you have got to be kidding me. How is it possible that we can do that? And God says, listen, don't get ahead of yourself. You need to wait. You need to wait in an ex expectation. Not sit on your hands, but wait for something very specific. The gift my father promised. I could spend a whole you know, hour talking about the Old Testament verses. It's the gift of the Spirit. The gift the father promises and, verse 14, you need to get in a persistent prayer to say, God, help me to open my life more fully to your power because when it comes, I want to be in I want to, I want to activate my calling, what you've called me to do, right? It's interesting Jesus says this, verse 3. What did they talk about? Forty days they spent time together. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them convincing proofs he was alive. I mean, I would imagine I would have to take some time to be convinced that somebody rose from the dead. It says, he appeared to them for 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Now, what is the kingdom of God? Let me give you a very simple definition. There's just these big words sometimes in the Bible. And we, what do they mean? Because Jesus' teaching, his, his primary subject, if you read the Gospels carefully, is the kingdom of God. What is it? Let me give you a definition. The kingdom of God is the rule of God set up in the lives of God's people by his Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is the rule of God, rather it's God's rule, God's power, set up in the lives of the people of God, you and me, if you know Christ as your Savior, by the Holy Spirit. That's what it is. That's why Jesus spent 40 days talking about that. It's not about flipping a switch it's not about repeating a particular prayer. It's about expectant waiting and persistent praying to go to places you have not gone before in your relationships with other people, like my sister had mentioned, in your uh, significant changes that God's calling to in your own life. Listen, in significant self-discipline in your own life. It's accessing the power to do what God is asking you to do. Now let me say something quickly about the disciples. I think you're supposed to see yourselves when you read the scriptures, especially the New Testament, as one of the, the, the disciples, the men and women that follow Jesus. And what you have, I'm sure it's carefully crafted by the writer of uh, the book of Acts, is, is, is this sense of anxiety. I think if you read it and you have this sense, I think if you pay careful attention, when they're looking up into the sky and going, you know, where are you going and what's going on? You've given me this amazing job to do. And then you've just told me to wait, and then you're leaving, and it's the sense that, you know, this fear in this sense of loss that happens 
when God asks you to do something before the power shows up. But I think you're supposed to feel that as you read this passage. Because I think it happens to you and it happens to me many, many times over the course of your life. I don't know what God's calling you to do right now in any number of areas in your life, right? What is God calling you to do? You might know that. But we need to get comfortable in experiencing that sense of anxiety, that sense of fear, that sense of I cannot do this, and then we need to learn how to wait expectantly, and we need to learn how to pray persistently so that decision by decision, challenge by challenge, difficulty by difficulty, we understand what it means to access God's power. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. This is what it means to be on mission with God. And what Jesus is basically saying, we need to, we need to put ourselves in, 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 in the question and answer here too. They, what Jesus is basically saying, wish I had more time, verse six, seven, and eight. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Here's what he's saying, you know. Here's the best that they have, and I think this is so true for many of us. They're saying, listen, Life is difficult. There's all kinds of persecution. The whole world has changed because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And you're calling us to do something and it's, it's overwhelming and exciting as it should be. But then this is what they say. Lord, is this the time you're going to circle this word, restore the kingdom of Israel? In other words, they said, listen, we think what this is all about what all of this, this amazing reality that you rose from the dead, this amazing reality, what it's about is we're assuming that what the mission really is is that we're going to think back in our memory to the golden time, you know, when Israel, when Israel was at the height of its nation under David and we had this great military and we had this great commerce and we had this beautiful temple and we had this beautiful influence. We're saying, this is what it's about, right? We want to get back to this place, right? That's what some of us do. I talked to this married couple this week, just all the things that they're going through, and it's like, you know, we want to get back to where we were when we were first married, that beautiful, idyllic place. And I thought, that's a very good desire, but let me tell you something. It's not about going back. What the gospel is about, when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, it's not about restoring anything. It's not about the glory days of your marriage, and it's not about the glory days of Israel. It's about going places we've never gone before. That's what it is. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. It's not about restoration, right? We got to think way more. And what Jesus is basically saying to the apostles when he says it's not for you to know the time, he's not putting them off. He's not belittling them. He's saying, listen, you're thinking too small. That's what he's saying about what God wants to do in your life. Browncroft Community Church. Last Sunday, I don't know if you were here, was that not at this service? It was, we had 50 college students here in, in a luncheon. It was amazing. Pete and, and John, and my, uh, we, we had 50 college students here. Let me tell you something. I don't think, I, I met many of them. I don't know that any of those students had ever been to this church before. I don't know anything about the spiritual background of those students, but here's what I know. We live in a city with 60,000 of them. Right? 60,000 of them. Who knows what God can do in the life of this church? October the 8th, we're finally going to have this building all open and ready to go. might be before that, but that's the official day we're going to come back to full service services. It's just a first step, but there will be changes. It'll be the first time in my 12 years as the pastor of the church where we'll have, you know, uh, equal programming at both services. Not only for kids, there'll be two junior highs, there'll be two married life groups, there'll be two missions connections. It's the first step of many 
about what God might do in the next season in the life of this church. You will hear from me and from our leaders in, before the end of the year a presentation about renovating this room. It's amazing. And it's going to increase our capacity maybe 15%. It's just one step. But guys, listen. The potential is amazing if, if we'll understand that, number one, the church is a mission. And there will still be people in this church that get on a plane and go somewhere, and it's awesome. But the vast majority of us are sent out every single day into this community, into these suburbs, into where you work, into your school classrooms, into your doctor's offices, and you're surrounded by people. I don't care what kind of car they drive, what kind of clothes they wear, how nice their, their life is, materialistically speaking, who are lost, who are far from God, who are falling apart. And all they're looking for is not answers to difficult questions. They're looking for the transformation in your life. They're looking for a quality of life. And they want you to have enough interest to share your life with them as God has shared his life with you. Lastly, we're all called to bear witness to what God has done and is doing in Jesus. You know, there's so much that could be said. What is the mission, right? But we, we so overcomplicate it. This is what Jesus says. But you will receive power waiting and expect in, in, in persistent praying. When the Holy Spirit comes on, you ready? Drum roll, please, and you will be my witnesses. That's it. God is not asking you to defend uh, all the critiques of the Christian faith. God is not asking you to live a perfect moral life. God is not asking you to become a, 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 a Bible scholar, and I, and I think you should strive for all three of those things. I do as your pastor. Not knocking those. But all Jesus Christ is asking you to do, all that is required for us to fulfill the mission in this community is simply to be God's witnesses. What does that mean? It simply means that we are willing to share what God has do, done for me and what he is doing in my life with other people. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. I had one of these great experiences. It was so uh, inspiring. Um, uh, about a month ago, I was in my gym and I saw a guy from this church. He might even be in here, I don't know. And he said, Rob, I, wanna, I just want to tell you something. I was kind of excited. He said, you know, you've been talking about, you know, uh, sharing your faith. And he said about, these are the words he used, going places where we haven't gone before, right? And he was smart enough, wise enough to know that doesn't mean, you know, always going geographically to places. He says, you know what? He, he has a job, he's got a family like most of us, and he said, um, and he even has a, a very uh, ailing parent that's really like his double duty right now. He's spending a lot of time, and he says, I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty focused on my life I have here. He said, but twice a week I come to this gym and I play basketball with these same guys. Been doing it for a year or two. And he said, I'm, I'm, I'm realizing that going where I have not gone before, right, is simply... At beyond the, the, the X level of relationship, going a little bit further with these guys and telling them of what, what God is doing in my life and praying for them. I said, listen, that's exactly it. Bearing witness to what God has done and what he's doing. Let me tell you what people are most interested in. 
I hope we have an amazing church. I hope we do a lot of great stuff around here. We ought to have excellent programs in everything we do and we're committed to excellence. We need to get better. But let me tell you something. What people that live in your neighborhood and work around in your school and your offices, let me tell you what they're most interested in. One thing. They're interested in a quality of life that Jesus Christ brings when people experience forgiveness, when they're let go of, of, of their striving, when they know a kind of love that no, they can get nowhere else, and when they see that in your life, right? Because you've invited them into your life, they're going to follow you uh, in following Jesus because that's the only thing there is. Jesus said, listen, all you need to do is be my witness. What does that mean? It means sharing with others, right? Being a witness means I was there, I saw it. It's not secondhand, it's thirdhand. This is what God has done for me. This is what God is doing in my life, in my marriage, in my challenges, in my struggles. And all, friend, I want to do is tell you about what God's doing in my life. And if it's of interest to you, then let's talk some more. That's it. I had a chance, um, maybe it was less than a year ago, to um, hear, before he retired, the great Garrison Keillor, if you know who he is, his radio personality. And he's such a character, and I don't know what his faith background is, but he said something that really has stuck with me. He said, if life does not break your heart at least once a day, it shows you have a real lack of imagination, Right? If life does not break your heart at least once a day, it shows you have a real lack of imagination or said another way, it shows that you're really not paying attention, right? And even as Christ followers, I think what a lot of us do is this. We, you know, eat our way and drink our way and entertain ourselves to a, a, a numbness because of the brokenness of the world. But what this Bible, what this passage is telling us is we have the power to enter the world's pain and actually uh, share Christ with other people. And if we do that, guys, who knows what God will do with us. Amen? So stand with me. If you would, I'm going to pray. I hope that you've taken a few minutes as we've been here this morning to fill this card out. Some of you just need to recommit maybe to community. There's a number of opportunities. Help us help you. Just fill the, just check off the box, put your name or email, especially if you want us to get back to you. You can drop this as you leave uh, when you walk up. But I want to pray a prayer. It's where I got my title for this message this morning. Revive our, uh, renew our hearts, revive our passions, revive our hearts. It's the prayer we prayed as a congregation uh, about a year ago. Let's pray it together as we close. Ready? Father, help us to see your vision for our church. Renew our hearts and revive our passion to reach the lost. Fill us with your Holy Spirit that we might boldly share your gospel. Change us and give us the courage to be the church you want us to be today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen.